Welcome to Bleeping History You Should Know. This podcast will not sugarcoat facts, I will tell you straight up what the government left out of your history assignments. If you are hungry for historical truth given by a junior historian slash author, then hey, you came to the right place. Ciao, and welcome to Bleeping History You Should Know. I am your host, Juanita Salado Maldonado. And today we are going to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA. And if you don't know what that is, thank you for tuning in. So the ERA would add a provision to our Constitution. Only 24 letters will be added if it ever passed. And it states, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. Seems pretty simple to me, don't it? I mean, that's simple. And many would bring up the 14th Amendment, which I will discuss later, and many will bring up the Civil Rights Act. But did you know that women were added to the Civil Rights Act? We weren't first initially thought of, (laughs) as always, we're second thought. So we were added to the Civil Rights Act by an executive order. And the president, another coming president, could be like, you know what? I don't like women being put in the Civil Rights Act, so I'm going to like delete it. And then we will no longer have these rights. Executive orders are just policies, MOUs, guidelines. It is not a law. And even if it was a law, laws can be voided. But if you put a constitutional amendment, meaning equality for all, no matter their sex, then it's really difficult to take that out of the Constitution now, isn't it? I'm going to provide a couple examples of older laws that were on the books and newer laws that are still on the books. So the ERA was first introduced to Congress in legis- as a legislation in 1923. It is now 2023, and it has not passed to be in the Constitution as of yet. Or has it? <laughs> or has it? In 1872, the fabulous Supreme Court decided in Broadwell versus the state that the Privileges and Immunities Clause of the United States Constitution did not prevent the state of Illinois from denying women the right to be licensed as attorneys in that state. So that means, boo-boo, that they could deny women attorney's licenses. Mm-hmm. In 1908, the Supreme Court case Mueller versus Oregon, the court held that separate labor legislation for women and men do not violate the due process guarantee of the 14th Amendment. Okay, that's good. 
this one. When I found this one out, girl, this pissed me off. I'm telling you, this pissed me off. In the 1930s, did you know that a wife could not have her independent passport? What the bleep? Yeah. Married couples were issued a joint passport under the husband's name. And on the passport, it would say, the husband's name will appear along with wife or married woman. What the? So you're telling me women could not leave the country if they were married without their husband? You see how controlling that is? You see how manipulative that is? That's some freaking Neanderthal BS medieval type bleep. Ugh. In 1948, the Supreme Court in Go Estervit versus Clary, don't come at me when I mess up the names. I wanted to say something else, but I couldn't. Affirmed that women could not be a bartender unless their fathers or husbands owned the establishment. I think there's one House of Representative that should I have permission? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> In 1954, I just said this. So, banks in the 1960s can and often did refuse to issue a credit card to an unmarried woman. So I'm getting the notion that unmarried women were more discriminated against versus married women, or it could be just the same because married women were not able to have birth control pills because they were married. Thank you, Catholic Church, for that. I'm saying that because they pushed, they lobbied for it. Well, women, unmarried women couldn't get credit cards until 1974 when the Equal Credit Opportunity Act was passed. That's a law, 1974. In 1961, in Hyatt versus Florida, the court upheld that the Equal Protection Guarantee was not, did not violate, what, what, hold on, hold on. In 1961, in Hoyt versus Florida, the court held that the Equal Protection Guarantee was not violated by a state provision under which women, without regard to their marital status or family situation, would not be required to serve on juries. Okay, so they had an option to serve on juries and not. But men were not given that option, so I would assume that that law is basically against men because they cannot do the same thing. Many states denied women to be on juries. Yeah, said that they could not comprehend what was going on and that they were two compassionate creatures. Yeah, I'm compassionate, all right? Let me show you my compassion. In 1969, women were finally permitted to become students at Ivy League schools Wow, 1969, really? Hmm. 
Mm. Oh, and um, the famous Princeton did not permit women to be students until 1977, which I find that difficult since the government got involved in education in 1960s when Brown versus Board of Education. I guess that didn't apply to universities, huh? Yes, yes, and you're like, oh, Juanita, those are old. You know, just like you. Tell us some new stuff. Fine, fine, fine. I will appease your curiosity. Probably piss you off at what I'm about to say. Many states required women to have their husband or a male relative co-sign for business loans. I wish my husband would. The, the woman herself, no matter how filthy rich this woman is, she could be freaking a trillionaire. She still needed a man's signature. Can you believe that? I, I, I vaguely remember my mother telling me something about this. This was a law up until 1988. So yeah, I do recall my mother saying it now. Wow. Well, it ended in 1988 when the Women's Business Ownership Act was passed. Again, a law. Oh, and this one I freaking love. The city of Cleveland, Ohio, the city of Cleveland prohibits women from showing cleavage in a less than fully off-cue covering. I don't know what the hell off-cue means, but that's their law. And in 2017, in a CBS News article, Capitol Hill discriminated against a female reporter. She was not permitted into a room adjacent to the House chamber because her shoulders were, were not covered. That's some 1950s crap right there. Your shoulders were not covered. Yeah, and also the Catholic Church will not permit you to be married in their church if your wedding dress doesn't cover your shoulders, which is so barbaric. It's disgusting that these attitudes and laws are still on the books. Here comes California. Though often mistakenly as a myth, what I'm about to tell you, it's not a myth, sweetie. I found this crap. Women wearing high heels more than two inches in height or with a base of less than one square inch less, the wearer must obtain a permit. Oh, but don't worry, don't worry, that permit's free at the city hall. It's free, it's free. That law is still freaking on the books, but a cops don't enforce it, but you can get a schmuck cop who doesn't like this uh, a lady and be like, you know what? I'm going to put you in jail for 24 hours for wearing too high a heels. That's stupid. That's a stupid law right there. And this law was implemented in 1963 and is still on the books. I wonder if any of these 
states go through their law archives and weed out old barbaric laws. The laws when a lot of politicians were very racist and very prejudiced against women. We're hoping to change that in the 21st century. Before 1981, in Michigan, a wife must obtain her husband's permission before she can cut her hair. If you ain't screaming right now, I don't know what, what, what else I can do to upset you that these laws are being passed. And if the ERA was the 28th Amendment in 1928, none of these laws would be on the books because they would be deemed unconstitutional. Oh, and Tucson, Arizona, women were not allowed to wear pants. And to be more specific, it was illegal for Tucson residents to appear in public wearing clothing that was not his or her sex. Now, all y'all in Arizona need to look up that law because it is still on the books. Mm-hmm. So you see, the ERA is needed. And I say that to all the politicians at Capitol, on Capitol Hill that wish not to pass it, to wish not to extend it, the deadline. I'll get into that in a minute. I'll get into that. So let us discuss the movement and how ERA came about. The ERA movement honestly began in 1848 when the suffragette had their declaration of sentiment at the uh, Seneca Falls Convention. I said it right. I've been saying that word for so long and I've always had problems saying it. Okay, sorry. And the same women who fought for their right to vote also noticed that the word woman or gender equality, which gender equality, the term did not exist back there, but equal rights for men and women did not exist in the Constitution. And at that time, there were no laws that protected people based on genders. So in 1923, the suffragettes introduced the bill to the Hill for the Equal Rights Amendment to be added to the Constitution, which would make it the 28th Amendment. And like I said, it's only 24 words. Let's play the young lady who went to Capitol Hill. Let's hear it in her words. The struggle for an Equal Rights Amendment traces back to 1923 when feminist Alice Paul wrote the words that became ERA. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. And the ratification date uh, was March 22nd, 1979. And that means that Congress put a deadline date. Hey, you need to get all these 38 states to say yes by March 22nd, 1979. However, they were close. 
when the deadline came, but yet not many states ratified the amendment, and it was also endorsed by both political parties. This is 1979, endorsed by both political parties, right? You hear what I said? Yeah, a lot of politicians who were in office in 1979 are still in office today, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you add the ERA, ERA to the Constitution, we know it is hell to take it off. The people, we the people have to vote to take it off. It's very difficult to do that. Now, laws can be overwritten. Laws can be wiped clean. All these equal right laws that we have in America can be voided, can be voided. Do you not understand that? It can be deleted. Some schmuck could come into office in all these states and say, no, no equal rights. They, states can honestly change their constitution, state constitutions. No, no equal rights. But if the ERA was in the we the people constitution that's the law of the land so therefore you can't delete that boo-boo you can't get rid of that it's very difficult very very difficult i mean come on why is it so difficult to add that to the constitution let's discuss the timeline in the 1970s Five of the states that ratified the ERA later passed resolutions attempting to rescind their prior ratification. <laughs> Those slick MOFs men, they wanted to go ahead and be like, you know what? I said I support women, but now I don't want to support women. That's, that's what I got from that. But historically, the precedence was already set. Resolutions like these have not prevented the original ratification from counting towards the threshold. Let me repeat. Historically, resolutions like these have not prevented the original ratification from counting towards the threshold. So technically, it should be added to the Constitution. According to Article 5 of the Constitution, it should be added. What I just said, that's in the Constitution. Why y'all mofos didn't add it? Oh, that's right. Because you view us as the weaker sex. Stupid schmuck. So in 1978, a year before the ratification end date, Congress extends it to three more years. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, didn't get enough states in the 1980s. But in 2017, Nevada becomes the 36th state to agree. Illinois becomes the 37th. What comes after 37? <laughs> Virginia becomes the 38th state in 2020. So there you have it. The ratification is fine. We met the threshold. Three-fourths of the country said yes. We voted on this. We said yes. But in 2021, 
a judge in Washington, D.C. declared that no, the last few states that came on board were after the ratification deadline date. And now lawyers are suing to say, no, Article 5 of the Constitution states, even if the deadline has passed, three-fourths of the states said, yo, homie, we want this in the Constitution. But y'all mofos are saying, no, we don't want it in the Constitution. Freaking schmucks. So the Judicial Committee had a meeting on the ERA in 2022, and they were saying, why should we add this to the Constitution? Why are you asking why? So I'm going to play a lawyer who speaks of Article 5 of the Constitution. Does ratify it. Is it, does it go into effect? What happens then? Congress uh, extended the deadline to, uh, by another three years to 1982. Um, so why is that important? Well, the, the language of the deadline appears not in the part that the states are actually voting on, but in the introductory language from Congress. There's never been a situation in our history where a joint resolution of Congress has stood in the way of the effectiveness of a duly authorized, duly ratified amendment that has been voted on and approved by three courts of the states. That just never happened before. Article 5 says an amendment is, is effective as soon as three courts of the states ratify. And for the so let's discuss the opposition to ERA. In the 1970s, the American Federation of Labor and other labor unions strongly opposed ERA, and those fools uh, feared that the amendment would invalidate protective labor legislation for women. But the ERA added to the Constitution would merely say you cannot discriminate based on gender. So that argument's thrown out the window. Oh, and the biggest, the biggest opposition to this ERA is a woman named Phyllis Shipley. You cannot talk about the ERA without talking about her. This woman was perhaps the most visible opponent of the Equal Rights Amendment. Her Stop ERA campaign hinged on the belief that the ERA would eliminate laws designed to protect women and to lead to the eventual, and, and the ERA itself would eventually defeat itself because of that. Let's play her video. Connected with the Equal Rights Amendment is that it has something to do with equal pay for equal work. It doesn't. Go back and read the language of it. It does not prohibit discrimination by private industry. It doesn't say anything about jobs. What it does is to prohibit discrimination by the United States or by any state. And so the only thing that ERA would do in the employment field is to make sure that the laws are sex equal. Now, the employment laws are already sex equal. 
We have the Equal Pay Act. We have the Equal Employment Opportunity Act of 1972, which prohibits discrimination in the job market on account of sex. And this applies to hiring, to pay, and to promotions. There's a whole federal bureau enforcing this. It's called the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And they're enforcing, enforcing it so aggressively that they are even requiring businesses to give women the benefit of affirmative action. And there are many cases on record where they have required businesses to give the job to the less well-qualified woman in preference to the more qualified man in order to achieve their affirmative action quota. Women out there who wanted to be another voice, that the, the feminist movement wasn't the only voice for women, that there were a lot of women who had something different to say. We are against the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, because we believe that women already have all the rights that the Equal Rights Amendment purports to give them. But now we have equal pay laws, um, more women than men are in college, we don't have discrimination against women in college or in hiring, and all these things are covered either by the Constitution or by federal law and state law. Those things that the Equal Rights Amendment would do is to invalidate the state laws that make it the obligation of the husband to support his wife. Yeah. And, you know, sad to say, a lot of women still think that way. Nothing's wrong with it, but it is a red flag when women think this way and would prohibit other women from advancing. It's not all about you, boo-boo. The ERA opponents claiming that the ERA would force a vision of the strict equality on America. Also contested that it would make women 50% financially responsible for their families, force the repeal of protective divorce and women alimony payments may be in jeopardy. I'm sorry, that's all past tense. But these were all the arguments, the opposition in the 1970s and 80s. If the ERA passed, would it affect abortion rights? I don't know why politicians, lobbyists added abortion onto the ERA. I it has absolutely nothing to do with abortion, nothing to do with sports, nothing to do with work, and has everything to do with creating laws that are equal to both men and women. Here is the anti-abortion video. Times have changed. Women's rights have been acknowledged. And why it would be so soundly rejected, this amendment would lead to chaos. This amendment would really punish women who are trying to play sports fairly. This amendment would give the court the ability to strike down every pro-life measure passed by the states. And if you don't believe me, this is what the NARAL said sent out a national alert. The ERA, what we're debating here today, would reinforce the constitutional right to abortion 
It would require judges to strike down anti-abortion laws. Remember what happened in the prohibition? Yeah, that was made by a bunch of religious women who did not like their husbands going to bars at all hours of the night doing whatever. So they petitioned and lobbied the government to put prohibition in the Constitution. Well, that lasted, what, 20 years, I believe, prohibition? And finally, they struck it from the Constitution because we the people voted to get rid of it again. And it takes we the people to vote in a constitutional amendment, not our politicians. So they should give us the opportunity to vote on this because it is our country, we the people, not politicians. I said what I said. And sadly, conservatives argue that because only women can have abortions, any restrictions on the procedure would be deemed unconstitutional under the ERA. Again, what the, it, it doesn't say anything about abortion. Why the heck are lobbyists and professors attaching abortion to this? Stop attaching abortion to every law that women want to be passed. In the past, anti-ERA advocates would state if this is passed, we will have co-ed bathrooms. Already got it. Gays will be allowed to marry. Already have it. Women will work outside of the household. Already have it. And into the workforce, neglecting their household obligations. <laughs> I'm so upset about that. Well, homie G, all that already took place. Boom of women going back to work happened in the 1970s. And happily so. Women, in the 1970s, they would say, oh, if the ERA is passed, women will have to serve on the front lines. Women will have to be drafted. Well, women do serve active duty military roles. We do have uh, female generals. We do have females in all um, jobs in the military now. And women cannot be drafted because during the Vietnam War, the Supreme Court ruled that no, women cannot be drafted because they are of weaker stature. Yes, that was passed during the Vietnam War because the president of that time went to Congress and said, we're running out of men to kill for our useless war, so let's see if we can have the women fight. Can you? But I could just imagine just throwing any woman or mother over there on the battlefield. And we are capable of doing so when we have adequate training. So all this passed. Women are in the military. Women are able to vote. Women are able to be on jury. Women go to work. Women provide for their husband. And there's more single women now than there were in the 70s. Women are holding their own. So since women held their own, now you're holding us back because of abortion. Many who oppose the ERA are calling it a Trojan horse 
that ERA really stands for everything related to abortion. Freaking kids. Am I the only one that, uh, whatever. Advocates are really pushing to connect ERA with abortion. Attendees of January's National Pro-Life Summit in 2022 in Washington State were told that the ERA is abortion in disguise. No, it ain't. So here is the strong arm push to stop ERA. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops wrote to lawmakers in, um, what was it, in 2022, warning that the amendment would become a powerful tool against pro-life abortion laws. And a campaign launched over uh, the weekend by Students for Life in 2022, call it Roe 2.0, and argue that ERA should stand for everything related to abortion. Why? Why are people stopping from having women being added to the Constitution? Other than being biased against women, I don't know of any other reason. Politicians on the right cite other reasons they oppose the ERA, which are very similar to what they said 100 years ago or in the 1980s. Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973. There was little to no argument from 1973 to current connecting abortion to the ERA. But now the politicians say it's connected. And remember, these were the same politicians that were in the office in 1979. A lot of them are still in office. So those individuals, why did they not say, hey, yeah, we'll extend the deadline, but no, you didn't. So why now? If abortion was truly an issue, why hasn't it been discussed since 1923 until now? In a 1971 Supreme Court case, Reed versus Reed ruled that states' sex-based discrimination violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause, which is true. But again, this is a law, not a constitutional amendment. And remember, kids, laws can be overturned easily. Now, some politicians claim to say that the ERA issue is alive and well on Capitol Hill, but the Judiciary Committee in 2022 said that they will not extend the ratification deadline. So how is it alive and well? It's now 2023. But And it's been sitting on Capitol Hill since, 20, since 1923. Now, in 2017, it was moved to the floor, or no, it was given to the Judiciary Committee in 2017. 
in 2022, they decided to discuss and vote on it. But why were you all sitting on your hands? 2017, 2022, you just decided to get around to it? Having too many dinners with your lobbyists, taking fancy jet trips to islands I can't pronounce while your constituents are living paycheck to paycheck? Yeah, oh, no animosity here. No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. So let's play a speech given by some politicians at Capitol Hill saying that the ERA is alive and well. To pass the ERA is alive and well. It is relevant, it is necessary, and it is truly all these speeches of our politicians talking about equality for women and men, equality for all. Surely their actions would back up what they're saying out of their mouth, right? No, no, no. Their actions do not demonstrate what they're saying. Well, five of the Constitution, which states in plain text that an amendment shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by legislators of three-fourths of the survival states. Did you hear what I said? So did Congress blatantly break the law because Article 5 of the Constitution, which states in plain text that an amendment shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislators of three-fourths of the states. That happened even after the date. Article 5 doesn't specify you need to have three-fourths of the state before the deadline. Nope. Yeah, that's a question. Did they break the law? Or does Congress even know how to interpret Article 5 of the Constitution? I mean, some politicians up there don't even know how many branches of government there are. I'm not. We no longer live in the 1700s where women were severely oppressed, where minorities were severely oppressed. We live in the 21st century. We don't live in an age of equality right now. Because if we did, this would have been added to the Constitution. So why is the ERA necessary? Well, remember, in the beginning of the podcast, I specified what laws were on the books and still are on the books that discriminate against women. Granted, those laws are misdemeanors. You'll get a ticket or a smack on the wrist, but the point is they made the laws to violate women's rights to live freely in a free country. Some historians say that the 14th Amendment guaranteed citizenship and equal civil and legal rights to anyone born in the United States or who became a citizen. No, just a citizen, homie. 
neither woman nor sex are words that appear in the Constitution revealing the limits of the Founding Fathers' narrow understanding of women as equal citizens. I mean, they didn't even understand that Blacks were equal citizens, Indians, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Indigenous people were citizens. They were here first. You see, the Constitution, women are only mentioned in the 19th Amendment. And that amendment also made women who were born in America citizens. Yes. You heard me correctly. We were not considered citizens until we had the right to vote. In no country are you a citizen until you have the right to vote. Women are standing on the shoulders of the suffragettes who wanted to make America equal for future generations of women. They knew that these laws will probably not be passed in their lifetime but they still fought for what is right for women, for future, for their grandchildren and future descendants. These women in the past lived under oppression and they fought to stop this ridiculous notion that women are perceived as unequal. We're not. We're only unequal in body strength and in some cases we're stronger in body strength. The only difference between a man and a woman is our reproductive systems and our chromosomes. That's the only difference. We're both of the human species. So for 175 years since the suffragette convention, women have waited to be added to the constitution as equal. Yeah, we got the right to vote, but that's it. The Constitution does not say man or woman. It says people need to petition the government to pass ERA. We need to protest peacefully in the streets. We need to call our politicians up at Capitol Hill and say, hey, we really need this to take place. Do you really care about women? I mean, it's just as hard as having them vote for the emancipation. Mm-hmm. Just as hard. Just as hard. Take to the streets and protest peacefully. Mm-hmm. Everyone complains on social media about their government or how their life is going or what laws are being passed, but yet... They don't do it correctly. The Constitution says you must protest peacefully. It doesn't mean protesting on social media. Your politicians are not watching your social media feeds. If you have 3 million women and men on Constitutional Avenue protesting in support of ERA, perhaps they will notice. And then, So I hope you've learned the value of ERA and that states still have laws on their books that infringe on a woman's rights. There are equal rights laws, yes, but again, they can be voided. We are in the Civil Rights Act 
but again, a new coming president could wipe it out. Now, if we are added to the Constitution, the 24 words added to the Constitution, perhaps they will take us seriously now. We have had a female vice president, but yet we cannot have the Constitution speak of women. It's a cry and shame, really. Thank you for listening to Bleeping History. You should know. I am not just a girl. I have big ideas. I want to make a difference, be fearless, stand up to injustice, and stand tall because I can do anything I want to do. I have the same dreams as a boy. Why are my dreams viewed as less important? My mommy said we can change that, one woman at a time. So what are we waiting for? Make that change.